Hello and welcome to another edition of the North Lot Podcast. I am your host, Chicago Fire Editor at Hot Time in Old Town, Ruben Tish, and joining me as always is RJ. RJ, how are you? Pretty good. Enjoying this frosty, chocolate frosty from Wendy's. TM. TM. Copyright. So before we get demonetized, we will go over to our other guest, as always, Hot Time in Old Town, Editor-in-Chief Bridget Gordon. Bridget, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. That's good. You know who else is doing pretty good? The Chicago Fire! Because they won! They beat the first place Philadelphia Union on Saturday. Well, Uh, they're not first place anymore. No, they're not first place anymore because they lost to the Fire and they were dropped because of shame. Uh, they have been dropped uh, in the table. They are now in uh, second place uh, behind Atlanta United, who just weeks ago were planning to have a joke account try and get the supporters to leave in protest of being in second place. Um, so, my first before we get into the actual game, I have a question. Yes. Since so we've beaten Atlanta United. Yes. And we've also beaten Philadelphia. Yes. By the transitive property, does that mean we're actually top of the table? Yes. That's exactly awesome. what that means. Uh the MMA math has the Chicago Fire in first place in the Eastern Conference. Unfortunately, awesome. the actual math, which is what generally what people go on, does not. Well, who cares about actual math? That's fair. I have, like the math that gives me like the world I want to live in. That's fair. Um, the world where the fire are actually good. So, two games, two red cards, a win and a loss last week. Um, I don't really want to talk about the Portland game, not because of the loss, although there probably is plenty to dissect there. It's just. Um, the, the Philadelphia game I thought was more interesting. The Portland game was like, okay, the fire lose a player early and score two goals, but really it was mostly because Portland kind of stopped playing at all. Well, no, we can see the goals and then went down to 10. I kind of want to just a little thing upon in the Portland game. That's okay. Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Do it. Do it. Okay, um, you're cutting off for a bit. Um, So, Alexander flaring up. Um, I don't know if you two remember, but um, I think that was one of the the hot points of him transferring over. I don't actually remember. No, you're fine. We can hear you. I don't actually remember that, no. Um, I think where I stand and stood on Katai coming in was I actually didn't know much about him, and, and I really didn't hear anything about him. So if you've got something, um, feel free to share it. Yeah, so um, I remember that um, in La Liga for, with this old team, I just, or, and I guess with the with Belgrade Red Stars, I believe was his other old team, that he just had a reputation of just tampering up. And I think we that's creeping up again, especially with the game against um, Portland. 
That was an unnecessary red, and I think if he did not get the red, the fire would have at least drew that game. Um, it's certainly possible. Um, I think that it's interesting what a red card does to a team, because on the one hand, you're down a player and you're running around and bad things are happening. Um, but on the other hand, there's more space because there's a, there's a, a, a lack of a body. So there's more space to be able to maneuver. And I think in Portland, I think having a, the fire going a player down helped them in some respects. Um, I, I think it gave them a bit more space to maneuver. And because Portland basically went up and even a player up basically sort of said that the fire can go ahead and have the ball and have some possession, which is what uh, Philadelphia, which is the opposite of what Philadelphia did, which we'll get to. Um, the fire were able to get some number of quality chances against Portland because there was some extra space on the field. So I feel like I don't know if the fire necessarily get back in the game 11 on 11. But I see your point. And yeah, I have noticed Katai's temper get the better of him. I But I think that's his frustration with basically having to carry the season for long periods of time. And it's it's just sort of catching up with him. Everyone's frustrated and ticked off. And like, even Dax has gone in on like rough tackles. Like, and, sure. and you know, Bastion has like a professional foul in them every game at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's playing angry. And, you know, it's recently getting results, but I think it hurts them ultimately more than it helps. Um, I mean, Would you say Katai? I mean, Katai did carry the team last season, but not so much in this season. Well, there's only so much any one person can do. That's true. Right. Um, yeah. It is a team sport, after all. Yeah, and it's it's one of the ultimate team sports, right? Because you can only run around for such a long period of time on such a big field. So, you yell at the ball and your teammates do the work sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fire are finally scoring, though. Like, they got four goals in, in two games, and it's coming, you know, every game. They had the one opportunity early against Philadelphia where um, Sapong slid through and missed the ball by, like, half an inch. That would put them up one to nothing very early. Um, I don't know if you read my recap. Um. Because sometimes you do and sometimes you don't, and I don't know, and I don't take it for granted. But I thought the first 30 minutes of the Philadelphia game were pretty boring. Um, I, I, I was, like, actively looking for either... Like, I was actively looking for something to say on Twitter, because I like to have, like, at least a tweet 
as a reminder, like, hey, we're still here or whatever. But I was like actively looking for things to talk about. Uh, and then Nico scores a goal, which I initially thought was an own goal. Um, because it, it sort of looked in live speed like uh, the defender slid in and uh, they kicked the ball into the back of the net as opposed to Nico. But apparently Nico did get a foot to it. Uh, and Nico's scoring again. He's back to being old Nico and everybody's happy. And all the I told you so's on Twitter are happening. And it's the fire go up on nothing and everything's good. Um, what I want to like before we move on, I want to talk about that that goal. No, One yeah. thing that struck me about the first goal in the Philadelphia game was uh, Kapelhoff's role in it because mm-hmm. he got really far forward. I don't know if he got credited for the assist, but he definitely was you know basically brought the ball up to the box and uh if he didn't get the assist then he got like the secondary hockey assist yeah uh mls Um, mash center has the goal in the 38th minute uh nemanja nikolic assisted by shanislaw frankowski and johan kapalov so yes he did get the hockey assist yeah you got so and i was like really struck by like how far forward he was and i would have freaked out i freaked out for a second then i remembered he was playing as a fullback yeah he's grown on me at fullback uh sure yeah yeah i mean i I, i'm all about that but like i did not anticipate him being an attacking fullback no that's what i mean he's sort of adapting to that sort of attacking fullback mindset it's really right nice to see i you know i don't take it for granted that a fullback is going to necessarily do a lot going forward like i like it when they do i love it when they do but i don't assume that and especially if it's someone like who someone who typically plays central defense who has to move out wide for you know you know roster or team balance reasons or because like we don't actually have natural fullbacks at the moment um so i i you know i was fine with him how wide, but I wasn't sure how, like, I kind of assumed he was just mostly going to stay back because I think of him as, as a defender first sure. and foremost. So seeing him that far forward, I was like, what, what? Like, I, I was really confused and I'm like, I'm not sure that you should be. Oh, whoa, we scored. Hello. Well, I, I, not to stereotype here, but remember he's Dutch. So he's pretty good with the ball at his feet. Um, and to to use the old footballing stereotype, but also you're right. He hasn't done a lot of that this year, but he's sort of starting to um, add that to his game as the season goes on. He's gotten, especially since Jonathan Bornstein's been there, he's gotten more comfortable and more confident in going forward and you're starting to see that from him a lot and that's sort of that's what i mean and i feel like that only means good things for the fire going into next year um because if they want to play not just with him in fullback but if they want to play continue playing that sort of 3.5 back line 
Um, you can insert a defender, someone maybe like Grant Littlert or something, and have Koppelhoff play that more forward central back uh, once Bastogne leaves. So it's it's very good that he's adding this area to his game. Do you, would you credit Pano for this though? I'm just curious. Um, in so much as it's a player learning to play a role that their manager wants them to play. I don't know if credit is the right word. I'd say it's more along the lines of um, he is the reason why it's happening. But, I mean, there's, like, positional coaches as well and, you know, things like that to are more like directly involved with that sort of thing. Um so I'd say that that's how that's who the credit should go to. And of course Koppelhoff himself for successfully incorporating this new aspect into his game. Um which he's always has been able to do a little bit. Like this is something that he's done fairly infrequently, but I but he has been successful going forward in the past on the rare past on the rare occasions um that he's done so. Um but hopefully now he has more confidence and be able to do this um more and more and start playing more and more like we expect a modern fullback to take. Uh the the second goal, I mean, it's an Arelli and Colin penalty. Are we really that surprised that if there was a penalty in the, this game, it came from him? Nope. Bridget? Not really. I have two things I want to add. Yeah. Uh, One, um, actually, no, three. Um, I thought their movement in the four, in the in the attacking third was really good. Um, that's something I tend to look at when I watch games. Um, and it's, it's usually been okay, but sometimes it's, you know, hasn't, some weeks have been better than others. And I thought they were really, their movement was really good on Saturday. Um, uh, second thing is not to take anything away from the fire, but I also felt some of this was Philadelphia just not defending really well um we talked about it really in colin conceding the penalty but i felt like they just all night were really shaky and not totally organized and i think that if they played a little more solid maybe they i don't, I don't know necessarily that they would have won but i think they could have at least gone the draw um, I was actually because you know having watched Philadelphia a couple times this season, playing other teams, I was kind of surprised that they were that shaky against a team that has had problems scoring goals. I guess so. I I'm not sure if this is an off night or if it speaks to some more fundamental flaw that's going to hurt them as when as we really get into the playoff race. So. 
But I mean, that, that'd be if you're if you're the kind of person who watches the rest of the league, um, I think it'd be something to keep an eye on uh, in the Eastern Conference race. Sure. Because I I don't know if I really don't know if Philadelphia just had a bad night or if like they're really going to implode and maybe not qualify for the playoffs. So that'll be fun to watch. Um, and then the third thing was I thought Cronholm did really well, uh, and I, you know, he had that late save obviously, but I think he did. He availed himself pretty well throughout the whole game. And I wanted to say that because I've been super critical of him uh, in print and on this podcast. So I just, I want to, I want to catch someone doing something right. Uh, yeah. Um, in response to your second point, they didn't have Austin Trusty, who's been really good for them this year. Um, I mean, yeah, so... fair. Which is why I think maybe it's just they had that night. Sure. But just in case, might be worth something to keep an eye on if you're following the, the playoff race. Sure. Um, and I completely agree with you on, on Kronholm. I think he was really good. And tonight he gave the front office the tape they need when they're questioned about why they signed him. Um, this is the tape they're going to show to prove that it was a good signing, even though, you know, you had to deal with him for the entire summer, not doing, not playing well and not doing this. He finally, you know, showed that he does have some quality. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's only good for the club as far as I'm concerned. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, we're only hard because we just care. I mean, I, I, I'm hard because I'm a grumpy bitch. I mean, sure. I guess. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know how to respond to a lot of the things that come out of your mouth. Um. Boy, I've heard that a lot. Yeah. Will that be? Yeah, will that be a new T-shirt for the store? I hope not. Uh, maybe. Archie, I'm putting you in charge of the store because you're the one who has all the ideas. Uh, okay. Visit our store, Envy. Oh, God. No, no. no. Not only do no, I... because 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 RJ is like the 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 most otaku of this group and if you put him in term in, in charge of merch that we're gonna have Ruben Tish body pillows. I'm okay with this. <laughs> I'm not You know what? There's a market for everything, all right? No No We have a we have a duty we have a responsibility to not bring evil into this world. Are you calling me unattractive? <laughs> no I'm calling body pillows an abomination. Okay, that's fair. Um, so what I want to do for the rest of the show um, is take a look at the Fire's upcoming schedule and see what this playoff race thing, how it's going to shake out for them. Um... We've been saying, like, to to sort of um, streamline the entire thing, that they basically have to win out. Um, 
But I don't know if that's necessarily true, considering the last couple of weeks of results with the teams around him, them, um, because they've been largely in the fire's favor. Granted, it's MLS, so there aren't really any results trends. But the fire play New England on Saturday with whom they're in the fight with. Uh, they play Columbus, whom the fire should beat. They play Cincinnati, who the fire should beat. And they play, the last game of the season is against Orlando City, with whom they're in a fight for the playoffs. And the other two games are the the Brimstone Cup against FC Dallas and against Toronto. Uh, so just like looking at the schedule in the vacuum, Toronto, by the way, who the fire are also fighting for the seventh spot. The only team that they don't play fighting for playoff spot six or seven in this last stretch of games is Montreal. So, if the Fire do win all four of those games, it's actually looking kind of pretty good. Their playoff chances. I mean, yeah. They can do it. But, that's a big if. It is a big if. But, they can do it. Which is a lot more than we had in the middle of July. Sure. But, I mean, that's that's my problem with this team. is They can be good. They're just not. I mean, they can, they, they're capable of a lot. They just don't do it. Like, and, and I mean, so that's the thing. Like, do I think they can win out? Sure. Do I think they will? Eh? I mean, the only game they can afford to lose at this point is the game, is the game against FC Dallas. The the Brimstone Cup on the fourteenth. Well, even so, like it's still points. Sure, it's points, and considering that a lot of the teams around us in the table have games in hand, like I I I, I kind of dispute that characterization of the of the Dallas game being like conceivably, you know, disposable. Like I think we if we're gonna do this. Then we need the points, even if they're not in the, if they're in a different conference. Like we still need the points. So, um, yeah, that's fair. Uh, New England play. That's the other thing is that all these teams are also playing each other. Like New England after Chicago play Toronto, NYCFC, and Orlando. So. Out of the teams they're fighting with, they're playing three of them. Uh, Orlando plays at least Chicago and New England in their home stretch. Uh, They also have to play LAFC and Atlanta, which look like those are games that they're probably going to drop points in. It's actually really interesting. Um... If you're into the whole playoff math thing, 
everything that's going on. Well, I'm quite, let's let's yeah. let's say someone isn't. What what would what would you take from this to get them interested, to get them invested? If they um, if they if they don't nerd out over playoff math the same way you do. Well, I'd say that that's hard because we don't because the season has been so incredibly difficult to say because there still isn't any reason to unless you're nerding out about this um because it it doesn't matter in the sense that there's all these possible pure mutations, but the the fact of the matter is the Fires still have to win these games. And these the, the team has shown that whenever there is an excuse to stumble and fall over and fail, they'll find it. So, to the people who don't nerd out about this sort of stuff there's really nothing i can say to get you interested um aside from the fact that the fire are i mean we're still hanging around you know we're on, they're on the ropes and and it doesn't look good but they have a puncher's chance of getting in the playoffs because MLS. Well, out of the last six fixtures, I would only worry about the Revs and, MC- and FC Cincinnati, actually. Well, I worry about the Revs, too, because it's in New England, so the game's on turf, and the fire are terrible on turf. I'm worried about everybody because I live in fear. Fear I mean, that, and uncertainty. Sure, but you can't let fear and uncertainty dictate your analysis. I mean, I have, I, mean you I have a feeling that the games against Dallas and Toronto will be in favor of the fire, especially Toronto. That's the last home game. Toronto and Toronto's slipping. They're slipping back into that spring form where they weren't very good for a while, and then they got pretty good, and now they're back to not being pretty good. Um. So I I think I like I said in the beginning all these games are winnable. FC Dallas isn't doing all that great either. So it, it it's really like th- this is in their hands and yes they have a game ahead of every team around them but again a lot of these games are against each other. And even when they're not, they're playing against like the NYCFCs and the Atlanta Uniteds and DC, who is actually kind of in the middle of this on thirty nine points. So like for the like that's six back of uh of the that's six points back of the fire. So like it's all to play for right now, and that's kind of weird considering how poor the season has been. Sure. Um, I think it's just the flip floppy of the Eastern Conference. That's 
going in the favor of a fire. Um, yeah, they're all no one. Yeah, no one's really like cemented and said we're good. They're all just kind of a mishmash of like well, Atlanta and LAFC. But, yeah, but aside from Atlanta in the East, it's and I guess New York City. It is all a bunch of like teams that are fine to below average, not counting Cincinnati, who's god awful. But I think we knew they were going to be god awful coming into the season anyway. Because they did not set themselves up for success in the offseason. So. Um, I think that's probably going to do it unless anyone has any other pressing matters they wish to discuss on the show. I do. Ooh, Fire has not had a bring your dog to the park game in many an age. And the Red Stars do one every year. And I can't remember the last time the Fire did it. I got a problem with that. Uh, yeah, that's not cool. Uh, we definitely could use some, you know, they probably could have used that positive energy in like July or June. Yeah. Like maybe it would spring them onto a run to have all the doggos in the, in the park. I'm saying. Yeah. You know what? You might have a, you have a point. Yeah. And there's no telling if they'll be able to do this at Soldier Field. This is our chance. And it's gone. I know. It's a bit sad. It's sad. Because, uh, like, you get all the doggos and, like, their little fire jerseys with, like, little fire booties. And, and like, some... fire handkerchiefs around their necks. Yeah. See? Yeah, yeah, why didn't they do this? This ain't right. This isn't right. <laughs> I don't know. But someone in that front office has a lot of explaining to do. Right? I mean... We talked about this a bit off air, and I made the joke about how they're trying to preserve uh, Humo's memory. But I'm sure there are a lot of people here on this podcast listening to this podcast who have no idea who Humo is or was. Tell us about Humo. Humo was the bestest boy. He was the Fire's uh, live Dalmatian mascot. And during pre-games, he would do laps around the ad boards and around the perimeter, and then you could say hi and give him the pets, and it was very and it was very wonderful. Uh, I think he actually lived in the office portion of the the fire's uh, front office, so he's like the office dog. I love it. Uh. And he passed on a while ago. Oh. Uh, and to preserve his memory, he will be the only dog in SeatGeek Stadium for fire games. So. I don't... Okay, but I I understand that grief is really powerful and you, you have to... There's no forcing... You can't hurry it along, right? You've got to heal in your own way. But I feel like the club and the community of fans around it I think we're ready to move on. I think we're ready to love again. I think um, we're ready for a new dog. Uh, I think we are. I think we're ready to make predictions uh. for the New England Revolution match this weekend. We are going to start with RJ. RJ, 
Who you got? One one. Oof. That's a bad. That's a bad result. Should be ashamed putting that out there, RJ. It is a bad result, but the fire is gonna blow out with the other game, so. Uh alright. Uh I hate to ask you, Bridget, if you can bring me out of this pessimistic hole that RJ put me into. But I don't No, but you... before we do, what's the what's the name for the new fire dog? Oh god. <laughs> uh let's make it happy again. Well, we're well. You said so. You said off the air that we're supposedly pursuing another player named Nico. So that would make three Nicos. We might as well go for four. The handbone dog Nico. <laughs> the Nico handbone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whole, whole, a, to- a full team of Nicos. See, just re- just change the name to Nico Suave. <sighs> you love it. Don't even no, deny it. No, I don't. I really, I really, <laughs> really don't. Um, I think they one, should. One one draw. I think they should. Yo, you also say a one one draw. I also say one one draw. So no, there's no getting out of this hole of despair, is there? No. I'm going. No. The this fire, is our home now. The fire going to win two one, and the new dog should be named Fristo. Damn it. Christo Stoichkov. Christo You absolute dork. Yes, I am an absolute dork who thinks that the new Dalbation should be named Christo. I will also accept Pongo for a boy and Perdita for a girl. That okay. will do it for the Northlot podcast. Uh, you can find us. Uh, on Twitter at NorthlotPod, you can email us uh, NorthlotPodcast at gmail.com Check, uh, you can listen to us on HotTimeNoldTime.com on Stitcher, which is a thing and SoundCloud.com slash HotTimeNoldTime We will be back next week to talk about the Fires game against New England and see whether or not they're in the playoffs race still or if they should start playing Andre Reynolds. Those are the two choices. Uh, <laughs> we will see you next week. Uh, this has been the Northlot Podcast. Goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye.